0: Chapter 6 of Bismarck and the Origin of the German Empire by FM Poic This Librivox recording is in the public domain read by Pamela Nagami The Creation of the Empire When Bismarck became first minister he found himself faced by an austrian proposal for the revision of the german constitution since 1859 one scheme after another had been suggested first by baden then by saxony and finally by Austria herself. The motives of Austria were simple. The old policy of controlling German official opinion through the federal diet could be pursued no longer after Austrian failure in Italy and the revival of German nationalism. The liberals in the German provinces of the Austrian Empire had also to be considered. Hence the Austrian government suggested a closer form of union, by which greater powers were to be given to the diet and a second chamber of delegates from the various states were to be established the austrians at the same time demanded that they should be admitted into the customs union Zollverein, which prussia had gradually formed with the german states during the preceding fifty years ever since eighteen forty nine that Zollverein had caused friction between prussia and austria it had maintained a unity of interests between prussia and her neighbours to the exclusion of austria the latter now saw an opportunity of strengthening her position in germany by proposing a great work of commercial and political reconstruction under her leadership the austrian scheme was impracticable even if it was serious because it would have maintained the austrian control of german politics in liberal as well as in dynastic circles there was a hopeless divergence between the austrian and the german point of view the german liberals wanted a strong national state the austrian liberals had like all austrians to consider the relations between austria and hungary moreover the austrian plan although it sounded democratic did not provide for a national assembly but for an assembly of state delegates alongside the federal council or existing diet. These delegates would presumably be elected in various ways in the different states and would have a local rather than a national standpoint. There was no certainty that the new diet would not continue to interfere, as the old diet had done, in the constitutional problems of the various states. Now, nothing had angered the German liberals, and many other germans so much as the interference of the federal diet in these questions a glaring example in very recent times was the part taken by the diet in the dispute between the elector of hesse and his people the liberals desired either a simple national state or a national state which would define the rights of the separate states once for all and deal with national questions through a national parliament so far as the objection to interference went bismarck agreed with them he dissuaded king william from attending the congress of princes which austria had summoned to consider the situation he was so he said willing to cooperate in a plan which would reform germany under a dual apex that is make austria and prussia equal but the austrian scheme did not secure a balance of power and it was opposed to the spirit of German nationality. No doubt, he said, Prussia could get federal decisions to have her constitution revised in favor of the king, in the same way as the rulers of Hanover, Hesse, and Mecklenburg had done, but she would thereby close the road to German nationality. Bismarck realized already that the new era would force Prussia to act, and he was determined to move in his own way. HE THEREFORE KEPT CLEAR OF THE CONGRESS AND INSTRUCTED THE PRUSSIAN MINISTER AT Frankfurt TO MARK TIME. THE CONGRESS CAME TO NOTHING, THE DIET DID NOT PROCEED WITH THE AUSTRIAN PLAN, AND Bismarck ALLOWED THE IMPRESSION TO PREVAIL THAT PRUSSIA WAS IN FAVOR OF A MORE DRASTIC SCHEME. AT THE SAME TIME HE BEGAN IN CONVERSATIONS AND DISPATCHES TO MAKE IT CLEAR THAT HE RECOGNIZED NO MORAL DUTY TOWARD AUSTRIA his policy was one of interests it had been customary to allow prussia a free hand in her policy of a customs union just as austria had represented german interests abroad in other words bismarck frankly stated the view that austria was not concerned with german domestic affairs his actions soon showed that in external policy also he would follow his own path A strong-willed statesman of less disciplined mind lord palmerston for example might have made the mistake at this stage of quarrelling with austria but bismarck was not like palmerston he had the remarkable gift when he liked of analysing and discussing a situation frankly without conveying a threat in eighteen sixty three prussia was still isolated all that bismarck had done was to state that he regarded austria from the same detached standpoint as he regarded russia or france as it happened he had need of austria and austria was not ready for another war before prussia could move a thorny question in the north had to be settled just as austria had a hostile italy at her back owing to the fact that venice was still an austrian province so prussia had a possibly hostile denmark at her back owing to the dispute about the duchies of schleswig and holstein indeed the danger to prussia was the greater if prussia began to take the lead in a national movement the national desire to help the duchies would at once awake but the status of the duchies was protected by the great powers of europe england france and russia prussia would have to face these powers as well as denmark the duchies of schleswig and holstein occupy the southern part of the peninsula of which jutland forms the northern part holstein the southern duchy has always been part of germany schleswig has not in eighteen fifteen consequently only holstein became a member of the confederation the duchies however have been politically united since the fourteenth century holstein the most populous is altogether inhabited by germans and Germans are in a considerable majority in Schleswig. They have institutions, customs, and language in common, and in the 15th century, when their duke became king of Denmark, their independent rights were guaranteed by their famous charter. They regarded themselves as distinct from Denmark and as inseparable. On the other hand, it was natural for the kings of Denmark to consider that their long rule over both the kingdom and the duchies had established an indissoluble unity between them in sixteen sixty the crown of denmark became absolute and had an additional motive for breaking down the privileges and independence of the duchies the kings in fact regarded the duchies very much as the russian government of today regards finland in the early nineteenth century the inhabitants found some relief The kings of Denmark were of German rather than Scandinavian sympathies, and were hampered in the kingdom by the growth of liberal and constitutional doctrines, which had little influence in the duchies, where they were either unnecessary or repugnant to the prosperous, conservative, agricultural community. But the growth of Danish radicalism was a new danger to the independence of the duchies. In Denmark, as elsewhere, radicalism and national ambitions combined hence in eighteen forty eight just as the german nationalists were opposed to bohemians or hungarians so they were opposed to danes and came into conflict over the duchies german troops assisted the duchies in their first war of independence and german patriots claimed schleswig no less than holstein as an essentially german state the reaction destroyed the national as well as the radical work of the revolution. Owing largely to the intervention of the Russian emperor Nicholas I, the future of the duchies was made an international question. By the Treaty of London, May 1852, the political union of the two duchies was denied, but Denmark promised never to incorporate Schleswig into the kingdom the treaty also settled the succession to the duchies in such a way as to secure their dynastic union with denmark the ruling king frederick the seventh had no direct heirs and as the laws of succession differed in kingdom and duchies they would properly have gone after his death to different heirs the powers chose prince christian of Glucksburg as the successor to the danish throne and bought out the rights of the duke of augustenburg to the succession of the duchies, which were to go to christian also the powers thought that in this way they had settled a very difficult matter as frederick the seventh's end drew near however the question was found to be still very much alive the danes determined to be certain of one thing decided to insist upon the danish character of schleswig as a preliminary step the purely german duchy of holstein was granted almost complete control of its own affairs a few months later in november eighteen sixty three a new constitution was issued for schleswig by this constitution schleswig was treated as a kind of annex or outlying province of denmark two days later the king died and his successor was immediately compelled by the danes to swear that he would observe the new constitution this act stirred the whole of europe and set all the patriotic pens in germany at work the federal diet ordered the occupation of the duchies and entrusted the troops of hanover and saxony with the task bismarck as has been already stated had determined to make the solution of this question the first task of a forward prussian policy like nicholas of russia several years earlier he saw that the fate of german nationalism lay in this issue Every German interest and every European power of importance were involved in it, so that success in the duchies meant success everywhere. The Germans had long looked forward to the creation of a separate independent duchy in which, at Kiel, Germany might develop a great naval station. By taking the lead, Prussia would recover the position which she had lost in 1849 as the champion of German liberty. If Bismarck could at the same time secure the conquests of war for Prussia, he would rally to his government all the latent militarism of the country and could afford to disregard the parliament. Finally, a triumphant assertion of Prussian authority in the duchies would break up the European concert on the one question upon which it was agreed, and at the one spot where Germans were subject to international control bismarck began before the crisis became acute by securing the goodwill of russia in spite of the reluctance of the king he entered into a friendly understanding and military agreement with russia during the polish insurrection of eighteen sixty three at the very time that protests on behalf of the poles were coming in from france england and the liberal element throughout europe by this understanding bismarck carried out the plan which he had suggested during the crimean war and from this time he was able to secure russian neutrality in the great prussian wars of the other great powers who were interested in the duchies the most formidable was england the sympathy of napoleon the third with national movements made him hesitate to act vigorously against germany moreover he failed through the folly of the english government to come to an agreement with England on his future policy, and he was waiting for a chance of making a bargain with Prussia similar to his previous bargain with the King of Italy. Bismarck, therefore, had no difficulty in keeping Napoleon inactive. Against English intervention, he provided an Austrian alliance. This was the masterstroke of his career, for it enabled him to disregard the Federal Diet and to make his own plans for the future conflict with austria if the federal diet had been an efficient body bismarck's plan would have come to nothing germany would have acted as a whole and austria would have kept the lead but the diet was finally discredited by its conduct during the second war of independence in the duchies it had authorised war but refused to run the risk of a european conflict by demanding the abolition of the new constitution of schleswig similarly bismarck would have been checked if the danish government had put itself in the right and submitted to the great powers as lord john russell advised its obstinacy allowed bismarck to act in the name of the treaty of london which the danes had disregarded the duchies were occupied by prussian and austrian troops the London settlement was thus set on one side, the English government, after vigorous protests, retired from the dispute, and Bismarck was free to settle the fate of the duchies with his ally. The English government had made two big mistakes. It had, through Lord Palmerston, spoke extravagantly in support of Denmark instead of working for a joint settlement, and it had misunderstood the position of Prussia. Lord John Russell's excellent state papers came too late, and England was faced with the prospect of a great war against two large powers. She now paid the penalty for her disregard of Prussian development, and lost forever the chance, which she had hitherto neglected, of cooperating with the Prussian liberals. To those who wondered why Prussia should interfere in such a dangerous question, Mr. Robert Morier ejaculated, what is to become of prussia if she is not to consider germany in the same light as herself and if she is to keep her sympathy for the loose disjointed straggling territories surrounded by her impossible frontier morier wrote as a liberal eager for a liberal settlement bismarck had realized the same truth from a very different standpoint in eighteen sixty four bismarck was only at the beginning of his great career but the war for the duchies reveals the principles of a policy which he pursued during the next quarter of a century in this brief introduction to the study of his work it only remains to trace the bare outline of the amazing structure which he built upon his early achievement the king of denmark surrendered the duchies together with the little duchy of lauenburg by the treaty of vienna signed on october thirtieth eighteen sixty four their future lay in the hands of prussia and austria the latter favoured the creation of an independent duchy to be ruled by the house of augustenburg this was the german plan and seemed to meet all difficulties bismarck however began at once to work for their addition to prussia he gradually persuaded the king and made overtures to his ally the duchies were so far away from the austrian frontier that the austrian government would have agreed to this solution if prussia had offered some compensation a commercial treaty for example or a piece of prussian territory in the south but bismarck and his military colleagues who now begin to be very important desired a clear assertion of the supremacy of prussia more than any bargain the annexation of the duchies was to be the sign of power not the reward of an austrian alliance for a time the quarrel was postponed the allies agreed in august eighteen sixty five to divide for the time being the administration of the duchies by the convention of gastein austria undertook to administer holstein and prussia to administer schleswig lauenburg was added to prussia the first addition to her territory since eighteen fifteen king william made this preliminary annexation the occasion of honouring bismarck by raising him to the dignity of count in the four years which have elapsed he wrote since i summoned you to the head of the state government prussia has gained a position which is worthy of her history and which promises a fortunate and glorious future before twelve months had passed prussia had been increased by the addition of half a dozen provinces and austria was finally driven out of the german confederation bismarck began by ascertaining that prussia had nothing to fear from the emperor napoleon a conviction which he gained at a famous meeting at Bieritz, and by making a secret treaty with italy austria was to be attacked in the rear by italy if war were declared between her and prussia within three months of the treaty april eighteen sixty six war was declared by austria and the Diet on June 14th. During the interval, Prussia had come forward as the champion of a drastic reform of the Confederation and also of good government in Holstein. On the one hand, Bismarck complained of the Austrian administration in the Duchy. On the other, he introduced a scheme for the creation of a German parliament elected by universal suffrage. Germany was bewildered, and Austria triumphant at last the austrian government thought the enemy has come into the open this wild scheme would only make the liberals suspicious and would certainly annoy the smaller powers accordingly it felt strong enough to bring the question of the duchies before the federal diet and to ask for federal aid against prussia bismarck declared that this action was a breach both of the convention of gastein and of the federal act of 1815 any state which voted with austria would be regarded as voting a declaration of war the vote was taken on june fourteenth and the prussian army was sent against the forces of austria bavaria Württemberg, saxony hanover baden the two hesses and nassau one of the most dramatic and also one of the shortest wars in history followed bismarck's real weapons for the moment were not the german liberals but the prussian army and the italians since the reorganisation of the army by roon the prussians had been trained by Moltke, the greatest soldier of the age in spite of some early reverses austria and her allies were completely overthrown and the preliminaries of peace were made on july twenty sixth the war had been fought over a very large area but had really been decided by the great battle of Sedova or Königsgratz, in bohemia on july third austria withdrew from the confederation and prussia added the kingdom of hanover the duchies hesse-cassel nassau and Frankfurt, the seat of the old diet to her scattered territories a large compact state of nearly thirty million people now stretched over the whole of north germany from Frankfurt in the south to kiel in the north the federal act of eighteen fifteen was at last destroyed venice was added to the kingdom of italy all previous attempts to reconstruct the german confederation had failed because dynastic and provincial interests were opposed to the policy of national liberalism during the recent crisis austria had pursued her traditional policy of supporting the former and prussia had posed as a protector of the latter the disappearance of austria from the scene left Bismarck to the task of reconciling the two forces under the direction of Prussia. Although the victorious army and his own diplomacy had placed him in a commanding position, the future was full of danger and even of paradox. He had tried to play upon the hopes of the liberals while he was fighting a liberal majority in the Prussian diet. He had, in the name of the King of Prussia, humiliated the chief dynasties of Germany, yet he never for one moment departed from the policy which he had laid down for himself of working the dynasties into a national settlement or in other words of directing german nationalism to a conservative end after the civil war was over and prussian supremacy had been permanently secured by the absorption of hanover and the duchies bismarck did his best to regain the confidence of the large southern states all the states south of the river main and the kingdoms of Württemberg and bavaria the duchies of baden and hesse-darmstadt were left outside the new settlement they were invited to continue in commercial and military cooperation with prussia as independent powers during the next four years they were as independent as belgium or denmark meanwhile bismarck formed north of the main a strong north german confederation with an elaborate yet powerful central government this was composed of the new prussia the kingdom of saxony the grand duchies of mecklenburg and oldenburg and eighteen other states including the free cities of hamburg lubeck and bremen the constitution of the federal state was due almost entirely to bismarck a marvellous improvisation it was such a harmonious expression of the various principles which underlie the political experience of germany that it was afterwards accepted as the constitution of the german empire of eighteen seventy one and has remained almost unchanged to this day but its most obvious merit to the mind of the national party lay in the fact that it carried out the proposal made by prussia before the war It was ratified by a national assembly elected by universal suffrage, and it established a legislative chamber which was also to be elected in the same way. Bismarck was, for some years, the hero of the national liberals, although he had in reality surrendered very little to democracy. The passions roused by the Civil War soon gave way to feelings of pride and satisfaction the people of bavaria and of Württemberg were stirred by the neighbourhood of a national state which fulfilled their german aspirations in such an unexpected fashion bismarck's next task was to use this feeling and without going further in a liberal direction to enlarge the scope of the federation the task was necessary on strategical as well as on national grounds the confederation was enclosed on three sides by france The South German states, Austria, and Russia, a series of possible allies. Unless he intended to go further, Bismarck's clemency to the South German states might prove to be folly, for it was precisely in this part of Germany that French influence had always been most marked. On and off, Bavaria had been the ally of France for nearly two hundred years before the settlement of 1815. If Napoleon Third should come to an understanding with Austria, Bavaria and her neighbours would be the natural centre of communication between them. Moreover, Russia was restless in the face of the activity of Prussia. Bismarck's ruthless disregard of the dynasties of Hanover and hesse cassel was a little too Napoleonic. Indeed, an alliance between Russia and France was not much more unnatural than an alliance between Russia and a Prussia, which was so heedless of legitimate principles of all these possible enemies the emperor of the french was much the most dangerous and bismarck prepared for a second war such a war would possess one inestimable advantage it would rouse national feeling against an ancestral enemy and would sweep the rulers of bavaria and Wurtemberg into the patriotic current an enormous library of documents treatises speeches and pamphlets have been devoted during the last forty years to the connected problems the origin of the franco-german war and the formation of the german empire a discussion of this literature would lie outside the scope of a much larger essay than this and would involve us in the details of french history between eighteen forty eight and eighteen seventy on the other hand the barest statement would be based upon controversial and doubtful information the war when it actually came was sudden it arose out of a spanish revolution the spaniards had driven out their old queen isabella and were looking about for a successor madrid was the centre of endless intrigue and the french quarrelled with the prussians about a candidate the quarrel was almost settled and moderate men were breathing more freely when bismarck took an unexpected opportunity of offending French pride. He shortened and published a telegram from the King, in which William described an incident in his discussions with the French ambassador at Ems. The Peace Party at Paris did its best to avert war, but in vain. The French Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Empress Eugénie were set upon a conflict, and war was declared on July 19, 1870. At the conclusion of peace in May of 1871, the empire had been formed. The war became a national one. Baden, Bavaria, and Württemberg successively joined the German Confederation, and King William was proclaimed German Emperor at Versailles outside Paris on January 18. As a seal upon the unity of Germany, the empire was by the treaty endowed with territory. The province of Alsace, and half of the province of Lorraine, both of which had in an earlier age formed part of the Holy Roman Empire. Although the facts are disputed, a few general conclusions are now accepted by historians of this last European war. In the first place, it was one of the very few wars of which it can be said with much truth that it lay in the logic of history. The actual conflict of 1870 could easily have been avoided, but the napoleonic empire had in the long run either to fight or to surrender its principles the moral justification of germany is to be found in the principles of the french empire napoleon had hypnotized the french people by appealing to the most provocative qualities of nationalism personally he preferred peace good government and a policy of sympathy with national movements elsewhere in 1870 he had taken a great step toward the creation of a constitutional monarchy whose ministers should be responsible to parliament but his empire had survived through the prestige which it won during the crimean and italian wars and he depended for popularity upon the military element and the memory of a foreign policy which dated from the days of louis xiv a policy of compensation for the successes of others of natural frontiers and the absorption of weak kindred peoples such a policy was a caricature of the militarism and federalism of contemporary germany indeed even if we emphasize the similar qualities of the german empire at the present day the apparent divorce between the army and the people the absolutism of the government and the subjection of unwilling provinces they will be found to be rooted in the fibre of the nation whereas three revolutions divided the napoleonic monarchy in france from the absolutism of the old regime this being the case napoleon's government had naturally become hostile to prussia approval and the desire for a bargain were succeeded by suspicion and then by alarm the failure to attack in eighteen sixty six was seen to have been a great blunder Napoleon discredited himself first by trying in vain to supervise the treaty between Prussia and Austria, and afterwards by allowing Bismarck to trap him in negotiations for German territory. When he found that Bismarck was, in spite of his accessibility, as opposed to a bargain as King William was in 1860, Napoleon entered into an understanding with Austria. If the French and Austrian governments had been prepared in 1870, they would have treated Prussia, as Prussia and Italy had treated Austria four years earlier. Although all the facts were not known, the activity of the French government and the growing demand of the French people for a policy of revenge for Sedova drew all Germans together. North and South joined in the war. The Southern governments threw aside the plan of forming a South German Confederation and negotiated separately with the Northern State their support was so necessary that they were able to make very good terms bavaria in fact retains more independence in the german empire than any other state thus in the franco-german war dynasties and people joined to create the empire at first sight the constitution of the german empire seems to be based upon different principles from those which had hitherto prevailed in the history of german parliamentary institutions the reichstag is elected by universal suffrage it is the chief legislative body and has the right of granting taxes it is composed of distinct groups or parties whose combinations influence the government administration in the modern state is so dependent upon changes in law and taxation that the support of a large party in the reichstag is essential to the imperial chancellor and his departmental secretaries And at the same time, parties which are drawn from the whole of Germany are naturally less responsive to pressure from the government than a local body. For example, the Prussian parliament is. Lastly, the existence of manhood suffrage has enabled the social democrats, who have a radical programme of national self-government and are not influenced by provincial and conservative ideas, to take a growing part in the national councils. All this is true, and the Reichstag may in the future acquire all the powers of the British House of Commons. Yet, under the existing Constitution, the Reichstag, as the result of national agreement, divides sovereignty with the government. Complete parliamentary government, that is, a ministry responsible to a majority in the Democratic Chamber, could only be reached in Germany after a revolution. The revolution would very possibly be a peaceful one, but it would none the less involve the disappearance of the dynasties of the provincial traditions of the kaiser's control of the army of the prussian parliamentary system and of the federal council in other words it would involve the disappearance of those elements which are characteristic of german history the german constitution as created by bismarck maintains those relations between the government and parliament which are peculiar to germany THE CONSTITUTION WAS APPROVED BY THE SEPARATE GOVERNMENTS BEFORE IT WAS SUBMITTED TO THE NATIONAL ASSEMBLY OF 1867, AND IN 1871 IT WAS ACCEPTED BY THE SOUTHERN GOVERNMENTS ON BEHALF OF THE SOUTHERN PEOPLES. IT DIFFERS FROM THE PRUSSIAN CONSTITUTION OF 1850 IN BEING THE RESULT OF NATIONAL AGREEMENT RATHER THAN THE GIFT OF THE MONARCH, BUT IT WAS NOT THE OUTCOME OF POPULAR DELIBERATIONS bismarck presented it as the suggestion of a victorious state upheld by a victorious army with marvellous skill he found a place in it for all the conflicting tendencies of german politics the reichstag was intended to satisfy the national liberals the federal council bundesrat continued the old federal diet and preserved the rights of the state governments In the council, the Prussian representatives have 17 votes which have to be cast as a unit at the direction of the Prussian government, and the other states have a varying number of votes cast in the same way. Although Prussia is strong enough to prevent the adoption of a policy distasteful to her, she cannot direct the council at her will. The council has a veto upon legislation, and is said to have exercised its right of rejecting laws much more freely than local german rulers have ventured to do it has important executive powers and deliberates behind closed doors the chancellor although he is its president has no right to assume responsibility for its acts moreover as german publicists have pointed out the german governments are more independent of public opinion in the federal council than they are at home in the council a government pursues its policy in alliance with other governments and is therefore not easily called to account by local opinion thus the federal element in the german state maintains the influence of the dynasties and the independence of their governments in this respect the council differs from the senate in the united states of america the american senate is like the council composed of state representatives and has certain executive as well as legislative functions but as the american constitution is in its nature democratic and as the senators represent not the executives but the legislatures of the states the senate acts as a balancing and critical not as an anti-democratic force also since the civil war the supremacy of the american federation has been accepted as essential the Senate cannot be regarded as the champion of state democracy against the democracy of the nation as a whole. If, therefore, the Reichstag as the National Assembly were to become the seat of sovereignty, the powers of the Bundesrat and with them of the state governments would necessarily lapse. Germany would become a single state. The independent institutions of Prussia are an even greater check on the growth of democratic unity. The Emperor is the King of Prussia. His Chancellor is responsible to him alone, just as the First Minister of Prussia is. To secure his authority, the heads of the imperial departments are responsible to the Chancellor. The latter is permitted to speak in the Reichstag, not as Chancellor, but as a member of the Council. Hence, although he and the Council are not responsible for each other, he interposes the Council between the Reichstag and the Emperor. At the same time, the Chancellor is, in fact, though not of necessity, the President of the Prussian Ministry. When, owing to his unpopularity with the Prussian Conservatives, Bismarck gave up the Prussian presidency in 1872, he soon found it expedient to resume office. And when, in 1894, Prince Hohenlohe, a Bavarian, became Imperial Chancellor, he became Chief Prussian Minister as a matter of course the Chancellor has to pursue a policy for the Empire which is practicable in Prussia. In other words, also the traditions of Prussia influence the Empire. The relation between the Emperor and the army are the same as the relations between the King of Prussia and the Prussian army. He is Kriegsherr. When Bismarck was able to persuade the Reichstag to provide for the army for seven years at a time, he really placed the army outside the scope of parliamentary criticism and made use of his earlier victory over the prussian diet again the prussian diet elected differently from the reichstag and careful for its independence is another important bulwark against a democratic empire anyone who voted for the supremacy of the reichstag would vote indirectly for the reconstruction of the prussian parliament in 1848 the creation of a prussian parliament destroyed the hopes of the nationalists at Frankfurt, and it still stands in the way of a democratic unity there is however one very significant difference between the german empire and the normal german state the difference lies in the fact that the government which so successfully maintains its authority is not the government of a single prince but is federal in prussia for example and in several other german states which adopted parliamentary institutions the supremacy of the government meant the victory of bureaucracy the wonderful administration of prussia was gradually wearing away all distinctions and was creating a strictly united state after eighteen sixty six and especially after eighteen seventy one this administrative efficiency this favourite cameral science of the germans had to be adjusted to the nature of a federal state. This needs some explanation. As we all know, a bureaucratic state tends to approach the ideal of an ultra democratic state. The one, by its belief in uniformity, the other, by its belief in liberty, is led to attack all privileges, traditional interests, and forces which oppose its claim to absolutism. Careful administrators, like careful socialists, are always trying to reconcile good government with freedom of thought and action. Now Bismarck, who began life with an ardent belief in the political value of class distinctions and of ecclesiastical institutions, gradually became converted to the necessity of overriding them in the interests of the state. Just as the liberals and afterwards the social democrats attacked them because they stood in the way of popular government and individual freedom, so bismarck began to attack them because they stood in the way of a well-governed national state he believed in them just as he believed in the dynasties they were the safeguards of society but they were not ends in themselves he quarrelled with bureaucrats as he quarrelled with generals and diplomatists but he fell increasingly under the influence of the science of politics of that great science which since the days of the political arithmetician of the physiocrats and of montesquieu had learned increasingly to bring the study of social and political facts to the aid of government for a few years his policy brought him into touch with the national liberals and there is no doubt that he was glad of their help and approval during the critical years after eighteen seventy while he helped them to carry through the reorganisation of local government in prussia they helped him to attack the catholic church and allowed him to provide for the imperial army. The alliance was a temporary one and was broken up in 1878. After 1878, Bismarck pursued the same policy, learning now from the agriculturalists, now from the socialists. He worked out his famous program of state socialism on the basis of protection, but he had learned the lesson which he took to heart. In the federal state, he could no longer disregard parties and interests if he preferred a federation of communities he must respect the traditions which made these communities what they were if prussia and bavaria were to be united he could not ride roughshod over the catholics of bavaria or even the conservatives of prussia bismarck railed at the catholic party of the centre as he had railed at the prussian liberals in eighteen sixty two they were men who put their egotistical notions before patriotism but he gave in by great good fortune he was able to divide the liberals and so avoid the dilemma of having to choose between one great party and another the contest between bismarck and the conservatives is known as the kulturkampf because it arose out of a conflict concerning religious education its history shows how nicely balanced the german empire was how necessary it was to continue the policy of compromise upon which the new federation was based prussia had defeated two great catholic states austria and france at the same time the pope was deprived of rome by the italian government and the german nationalists were engaged especially in prussia in a campaign for the state control of all education and for the abolition of all clerical privileges which stood in the way of civil supremacy the attitude of the vatican council and the decree of papal infallibility provoked them still more and rallied even the catholic states to assert the claims of the civil ruler and of private judgment the jesuits as the chief exponents of the new papal policy were driven out of germany altogether bismarck thought this an opportune time to assert the absolutism of the state he was especially anxious to destroy the anti-german influence of the clergy in prussian poland during the next few years the state claimed control of all education and even the supervision of the clergy bismarck was deserted by his old friends protestants though they were on the ground that he was establishing an absolutist or irreligious state a jacobinical perversion of the prussian monarchy They were able to resist because they could rely upon support in the Reichstag and in the public opinion of Germany. In 1878, Bismarck compromised. The Church was admitted to join the dynasties and the people as a formative element in the empire. Federalism tempered bureaucracy, even in Prussia, as it had tempered liberalism. The ox, when he is weary, treads surest. Through long years of humiliation, the Germans had reflected upon the foundations of their political life, and when Bismarck, backed by Moltke's legions, brought them unity, he accepted their conclusions. His realism made him blind to much which has won permanence in the modern state, but it saved him from the one-sided solutions of his predecessors. It is true that only a rash student of the history of German unity would deny that Germany might have gained a parliamentary instead of an executive basis for her union. The present empire was not inevitable. As we read the story of 1848, of 1859, and of 1862, we feel how easily the German states might have come together or been permanently divided in very different conflicts. What can be said is that the German democracy of the future will be founded upon the most enduring principles of German history and upon nothing that is casual or unreal? End of chapter six. Read by Pamela Nagami, M.D., and Encino, California, March 2021. End of Bismarck and the Origin of the German Empire by F. M. Poic.